Welcome to a very special bonus episode of Virtual Economy. But today, I'm actually talking with two incredible women in the industry to talk about game development, education, and equity with uh, Tara Mustafa, who is one of the founders of Code Coven. And as you know, if you've listened to this show literally at all, we talk about Code Coven a lot. And we're also talking to their fantastic PR and marketing coordinator, Mylia Laughlin. If you are brand new to virtual economy, welcome in. My name is Amanda Farrow. And to my guests today, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We're really excited to be here. Thanks Absolutely. so much. So let's, let's do a quick introduction. So Tara, tell me a little bit about you as a human being. As a human being. That is stretch. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm I human think we're all anymore. a little human here. <laughs> well, I mean, you're growing a human. So, I mean, a lot of that is going to the growing. That is very true. I don't even know if I'm going to have uh, the words to make up sentences for the rest of this podcast, but. That's okay. We'll fudge it. You. We'll figure it out in post. <laughs> always rely on post. <laughs> always. Um, no, but yeah, I yes, mean, in a can. nutshell. So. Yeah, CEO and founder of Code Coven. Uh, I've been in the games industry for about uh, somewhere between 16 or 18 years now. Who's counting? Um, worked on very many consoles, very many titles from, you know, indie to AAA, from EA to Microsoft to, uh, gosh, glow up games and uh, smaller startups and things like that. Um, and all sorts of my passions um, as a game designer and a producer and Basically, out of my lived experience and seeing that of my friends, decided to found Code Coven to kind of, you know, get get working on moving the needle. Because if game developers can't do that, I don't know who can. So here we are. Exactly. And that, yeah, and that's what led us to today. So, Mylia, who are you? Where do you come from? What do you do? Yeah, me. I, yeah, my name is Mylia. I'm the PR and marketing coordinator, as Amanda said. Um, I'm really passionate about writing. Um, I really love strong narrative stories. I really got only, I really only started in the games industry about a year, a year and a half ago. Um, so really my uh, story with game development has started with Code Coven. Um, and that's been a really amazing journey so far. Um, I have a background in journalism, so I think that's really what just draws me to good, feel good stories and allowing diverse people to really get to tell their stories. Um, yeah, as a kid, I didn't really know that you could have game development as a job, so I never pursued it. Um, but I want more kids who look like me, a Black, Filipino, queer woman to really know that game development is a career path that you can take. Um, so yeah, I'm just really passionate about making game, de game dev more accessible to everyone. And I think that's that's a little bit about me. I love show. that. I love that. And yes, we are here to talk about how to make this industry or how Code Coven rather is making this industry a little more diverse, little pieces at a time. So before we get into the really juicy bits of this conversation about game development and equity, I just want to lay, you know, a little bit of groundwork. I, I, you know, we talked a little bit about how you both got your start in games, but Tara, what led you, what was like the, the aha moment for you in creating Code Coven? What was that thing where all of your years of experience kind of gelled into Oh my goodness! I have to do this thing. Yeah, um, I think it was it was like a slow burn over over time, and just these challenges that I started facing, um, you know, as a 
whether it was a level designer on skate or, you know, within asserting myself around a boardroom of people at Microsoft or any of these things. Or I remember also being approached by so many companies saying, well, you're a woman, you know how to make these match three games and make them pink, right? And it's just like, yes, that's clearly, clearly what I love to do. And that's why I want to be a game designer. <laughs> and so, you know, looking back on it now. I have so many questions. <laughs> So did I. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. But yeah, looking back on that and then seeing what my, you know, sort of friends were going through and then also seeing the amount of investment that was going into developing white cis male leaders from stylists to public, uh, you know, public speaking, media training, mm -hmm. all of these soft skill educational aspects that weren't commonly known that people had access to and were getting paid for by companies. And here I am on the other fl flip side going and trying to get that information and education myself through, you know, other yeah. avenues like school of life and videos and coaches and things like that. And thinking we are not provided these same tools. If you give me the same tools, I can do just as well, if not better, probably better, but who's counting? <laughs> you can actually say that you're better. It's okay. I will I will in fact save this space for you to blow your own horn. That is kind of why we're here today to talk about the really great work that Code Coven is doing. And Mylia, when when I think about Code Coven, obviously your name is the is the name that comes up for me because you and I are the ones that do all the chatting over email. So what brought you in? Yeah. What was your aha moment to join the team? Um, I got actually got interested in code coming from seeing a Twitter post. Um, I applied back in the day to one of the intro to game making courses a few summers ago. Um, and Tara was actually my interviewer for the for the scholarship and pretty much the rest is history. Um, at the time, I was interested in making like a career change um, and talking with Tara, like really hyped me up and just inspired me. And I was like, wait, this amazing woman is doing great things in the game dev industry. Like I can be there i want to i want to be there um so i kind of you know was persistent like hey you know any opportunities any ways i can stay involved like i have a really strong comms background i, I think i can add a little to your team and you know here i am so persistence, persistence is, key. is key it's important if white dudes get to be persistent then the rest of us should be allowed to be persistent too so, so true. true. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about Code Coven itself. If you're because for for the, our listeners that aren't familiar with the kinds of programs that Code Coven offers to marginalized developers, what are you all up to? What are we not up yeah. to at this point? Uh, oh, Tar, do you? <laughs> we're up no, to no, so no, many things. We're up to many, many things. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have three pillars that are really like the core of what Code Coven does. Um, we call it our Triforce. Of course you do. Um, That's beautiful. Yes. yes. We love to see it. Of course it. we do. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll just talk a, bit, a little bit about our academy mm -hmm. first. Um, so really our academy is our bread and butter. That's the core of what Code Coven does, which is educate. So the main courses we run throughout the year are our intro to game making courses. Um, and we do, the, do those with Unity and Unreal Engine. 
Um, and these are eight week courses and they really give students a strong foundation to work with these engines. But we don't only focus on technical skills because it doesn't just take technical skills this to work in game development. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we also teach them soft skills. We want to prepare students to like evolve the games industry. You know, we want to give them the tools to really negotiate a better future for both themselves and their peers. Um, so while you're going to learn how to navigate Unity, build scenes, use GitHub, you're also going to learn how to negotiate pay, navigate a workplace mm. and how to do a good interview so you can get the job. Um, we also recently launched Code Coven Sparks, which are these masterclass style intensives where you can learn a specific skill. So the first one we did was uh, level design. Um, and that was a really cool opportunity to provide folks who had more experience with the chance to really skill up and really take the time to focus on learning something that they were interested in. Um, and in the future, we're going to be offering more of these Sparks classes with a variety of different focuses. So I think that's going to be a really exciting opportunity once we get there. <laughs> yeah. And then just to build off of that, because I mean, it's, you know, seriously, like I think in 2023, we'll get into telecoms and uh, skating rinks and, you know, I don't know, but the world's <laughs> our oyster. <laughs> Absolutely. The Why world not, is your right? oyster. The fashion line. Exactly. We're working on the fashion line, Tara. We can... I'm sorry, what? Tell me more. I need to know everything. Now. That's under wraps. That's under wraps. I will be anticipating my email to be briefed on this before it's launched. Oh, gosh. You got it. You got it. Um, yeah, we've also got accelerators. So, I mean, at the core of what we do, right, we can get people in the industry. You know, we're excited and happy to do that. But the next step is we've got to make sure you're going to stay in the industry. And yes, the industry is huge. so toxic that a lot of people, especially those of marginalized genders, blah, blah, exiting after five years, right? On average. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so. And even that might be generous in some, in totally, some ways. Exactly. Um, so then, so what we, because we're trying to fix the whole pipeline. We want to see everybody succeeding and then just that trickle down effect happening, ripple effect, every effect put the filters on let's go um, mm -hmm. but um, that's why we also run these accelerators <laughs> so one is um, the summer program which we started actually three years ago um, and that was a result of the pandemic um, because people mm -hmm. weren't getting their in-person um, internships cancelled and yeah. we were all stuck exactly at home. yeah and for them sometimes they were uni students who didn't want to go back home home wasn't a safe space you know, right. And they couldn't, they didn't have access, of course, to any, you know, um, the, the universities were matching their stipend payments and their, in their training. So we were like, okay, let's put something together. We can do this. We've been teaching remotely. We've been working remotely for like a year already. We can totally do this. And that's how like the summer program was born, which is a program, um, over 11 weeks for, uh, sort of university grads or hobbyist uh, game developers to get together. We put them into teams of four each um, and they have to build a game from start to finish. And it's just grown year after year. So last year we partnered with Facebook Gaming. This year it's back again as the game developer program now with a rename with Facebook Gaming. Um, so we're really excited about that. And then we have accelerators that focus on giving indie studios access to more funding. Love Network that. visibility, getting their product in front of people and getting that feedback to make it cross the finish line, you know? Absolutely. Um, and then we had really great programs. The fact that games get made at all is like, it's a miracle. And I will always <laughs> say it. 
it is a miracle anytime a game actually makes it out the door. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the challenges that people face, especially with marginalized backgrounds. On the other hand, you know, you see wonderful successes of billions of dollars being given to people who are a certain way. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to throw shade mm-hmm. on that because it's going to be great. We're going to change the world. Mm-hmm. We're going to, yeah, exactly. You're going to change the world. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You're changing <laughs> it. We're, it's we're just going right to focus now. on the, the changing. We'll leave everybody else doing their thing. Yeah. We're all about code coven. Yeah. So, I mean, that's we ran a really great program with the IGDA Foundation last year that was all about mm-hmm. alternative web monetization. And we saw... I saw that, yeah. People from all over that's the really world. really cool stuff. Participating. And that global network effect, like, we need to see that. So our accelerators mm-hmm. are just trying to solve that whole access to finances, to job opportunities... Um, and leadership kind of training and then uh yeah another thing that we're going to be launching later this year um which i can't speak about too much but will help solve the problem of um getting credits uh for the work that you've actually done on live products so we're very very excited about that but i'm not supposed to say anything i love that (laughs) that's okay it's all good um, we're not talking about any details. It's just their ideas right now. Beautiful ideas that will eventually coalesce into things that you can actually it's talk just about. Between us. <laughs> yes. Yeah, just between us and everyone listening. It's fine. <laughs> They'll be cool about it. They'll be cool. Friendia, everyone. Yeah, be friendia. cool, guys. Be cool. <laughs> it's a friendier, but literally public. It's fine. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so let's oh, of course my dogs are gonna start barking. <laughs> That's okay. Anyone that listens to this show knows that my dogs have their own agenda. They're barking in agreement. It's their own podcast. They just, yeah, they just got stuff to do. They're very excited. That's okay. I'm not editing them out. Everyone knows that they exist. So let's get into some really good specifics here because I want to talk about, I do want to talk about equity and we're not doing this from a diversity 101 perspective because those conversations are tired out. They, they don't, They're important, but they're not important to this conversation. But I do want both of your perspectives on, you know, the state of the industry, essentially, how things have kind of changed, how when you from when you started, how have they stayed the same? And we'll get into your dreams for the future a little bit later, because that's how we'll end the conversation. We'll end with like very pie in the sky dreaming. So how have things changed and how have things stayed the same? Tara, especially for you. You know, you've been doing this for, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. You know, I only have 13 years in this and I'm just like, I thought I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's long enough for both of us, really. Seriously. I'm tired. I'm tired. Everybody's tired. So tired. <laughs> so yeah. tired. How things have changed and how they stayed the same. Yep. It's a it's a complicated question. Should I be really? I'm trying to be positive about this. No, I'm kidding. You can be real. Like this is this is the chance to be really real and just talk about what's working, what's not working, and then we'll talk about dreams for the future. Yeah, I think the big thing is, and I don't know if you've experienced the same thing, but we're talking about it now. You know, yeah. And that's when I first started in the industry. It we didn't talk about it. No one talked about it. It was. In no. fact, I tried to fit more into what that was, you know, and yep. I've said things and like, I think about a couple of the talks that I did very early on in my career 
And I was trying to be one of the guys or try and fit in this mold and trying to find my voice. And oh, it wasn't sure. my voice. It was their voice. It was their yeah. voice just with your mouth. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you know, with that, that feeling where you're not sitting quite right with it because it doesn't gel with how you actually feel inside, but you want you really want to make games. You have to play the game in order exactly. to make games. Yeah. Which was for a long time. And it even still is like that. You know, it's it's heartbreaking. It's just like, I just, yeah. you know, people that aren't cis white dudes deserve safe spaces in order to do their work. It's what we talk about on virtual economy all the time. It's what we've been talking about since almost the very beginning of the show is this isn't about towing the company line or towing the industry line. This is about ensuring that people who are marginalized are able to just do their work. Like that's it. Yeah. And I just don't, but I don't understand the logic behind it either. And that's the thing that as much as we are talking about it now, which is great, are things actually mm-hmm. changing? Because if you look at, um, you know, statistics, black developers globally went from 3% last year down to 2%. Great. Yeah. That's really progress. And this is me being sarcastic. Sorry, I'm a very sarcastic person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and then, of course, it's all of the stories from the big corporations that are coming through and the smaller yeah. ones. Yes, and the smaller complex. ones. Even those run by marginalized folks. Yes, exactly. And it's just, what does it take to be a where where how yeah these i, I want to say a decent human being in a way uh, but if you know i've been pitching this long enough to also go okay well then let's talk about the bottom line if your revenue is going to increase year on year with senior ma- mar- leadership that is made up of diverse people mm-hmm. 10 20 fold economically this just makes sense financially this makes sense you're leaving money on the yeah. table by not embracing diverse developers, storytellers, and players. You are leaving money on the table. I don't know. I've been I've been shouting about this for years, but it's people are listening now. I think that that's mm. the big thing that's changed is that it's not necessarily that the structures have changed. It's that the people are listening yeah. and they're paying more attention and it's becoming something a little more valuable to them in a way that it just wasn't 10 years ago. Because 10 years ago, we were just looking at things as, you know, even for media. Media wasn't really even talking about this either, you know, because a lot of the folks that were in media at the time weren't women, weren't, you know, gender non-conforming people. They weren't people of color, Mm. you know, or they, you know, it was just, it was the same kinds of people over and over again. And now we have this diverse range of voices that care very deeply about workers' rights and care very deeply about this industry and want to see it succeed and move forward. So yeah, it's, everything's the same, but also everything is changing. I hope that recognition is there. Yeah. Cause I would happily take that money off of the table for you. You know, if you don't want it, I'll happily take it. Sure. And you'll go give it to an indie studio that is, you know, living up to those values. Like, I don't know, like Sweet Baby. Oh, God, I love Sweet right? Baby. Right? Go give Sweet Baby a ton Seriously. of money. <laughs> right? I would actually, like, for real, if you have money, yeah. go give it to Sweet Baby. You know you want to. And also to Strange Scaffold and a bunch of other amazing indie development studios that are run by people of color that are doing amazing things out in the industry. Like that's what I want more of. That's where I want to put my money. Yeah. 
I'm done with that. Yeah. Let's just give lots of money. Give lots of money to the right places. So for for you, Mylia, I know that you are I know that you are relatively new to the industry on the working side, but I would imagine that you are not so new to the industry on the entertainment side. So what has stayed the same and what has changed for you in the years that you have been playing games, been around games and around the culture? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was I was thinking about how I could how I could talk about this. And like as a player of games, as someone who's like previously played competitively, um, as someone who's like done cosplay, I've been in these circles and been in this community for quite some time now. Um, and as you both said, I think more people are just willing to talk about it and more people are willing to call things out and say when they're not okay. Like I, I've definitely noticed more people saying like, hey, maybe this you shouldn't say this racist thing or this misogynistic thing. Um, because like the you have these huge content creators who have such a big impact on the way yes. that people think. And you might think that these co comments are pretty harmless, but actually they're continuing to perpetuate the stereotype that are keeping people of color down, marginalized people of marginalized genders down, um, which then trickles into the way that people perceive them um, in the workplace exactly. and career-wise. Um, so yeah, I think that accountability is is definitely up in the last few years, um, and I just I hope to continue seeing that trend. It's going to require the media, I think, especially to stay really on top of it with labor stories, and I don't think the media is backing down anytime soon. Even as somebody who is only marginally in the media these days, having these kinds of conversations, I think that my my colleagues, my former colleagues, I suppose, are, are doing incredible work. So I'm just, my fingers are crossed that they're going to continue to be supported in order to hold corporations, companies, cultures accountable and hold their feet to the collective yeah. fire. Because I just, enough is enough, right? We got, we got a world to change. Yeah. And I will say that I feel like I tried pitching these kinds of stories like several years ago when I was like working for small publications and like they just weren't interesting enough yeah. quote unquote to you know my editors but now those stories that I feel like I was pitching are now being picked up and I'm actually reading them and it makes me feel excited and happy because I'm like okay finally we are we are looking at this we yeah. are talking about this and people are sharing and talking about it um, and I think that's part of the the biggest part of the conversation is just letting people exactly. know about it and doing something exactly. about it too. Not, Not just, just being armchair analysts about this, but actually moving the industry yeah. forward. And that's actually a great segue to talk about education, right? Education is huge. Education is foundational to all the work that, that we are doing in this industry and Code Coven is moving that forward. So let's talk about equity and game development education. So from so Tara, from your perspective, this is this is another way to kind of like look back to look forward. When you think about the ways in which we learned about game development back in the day, when we went to school for you know when folks went to school for it, what those programs looked mm -hmm. like, you know what kinds of students were taking these courses, how is how is Code Coven doing it differently? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Um, how are we how are we doing differently um so funnily enough like i actually have two diplomas in game design um back Amazing. from like montreal and vancouver 
where I was in the pilot program for each of these colleges to get this diploma. That's amazing. Um, where for VFS? Yeah. yeah. Of Media course one. you were. I love that so much. <laughs> that it's such a cool program, though. The one at Vancouver yeah. Film School is such a cool program. It, it really is, and uh, I have great friends running it now. Um, and then before that, it was at Interdeck College in Montreal. Um, and it was really funny because in that first program at Interdeck, uh, out of I think sixteen students or whatever, only two were female. Um, and then the same thing really at VFS. Um, that was my comp sci program yeah. at uh, at my university. I was one of only two two gals. And that's what we need to, yeah, see change. But it was all focused on, mm-hmm. okay, these are the technical skills, like Mylia said before, right? right? And there was nothing really about, I remember even my first instructors um, sort of on the art side of things saying, you don't want to be a game designer or a producer. Why would you want to do that? I'm like, well, of course it's what I want to do. Yeah, but you're going to write documents nobody's going to read. I'm fine with that. That's not the point. <laughs> that, that's not the that's point. absolutely fine. <laughs> And it still remains true to this day. <laughs> <laughs> Documentation, the necessary evil that no one reads. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. I think the problem with um, sort of a lot of, you know, I think one of the things we're seeing is you've got great academic programs coming out. Absolutely. About, like the theory and things like that. But they actually don't mm-hmm. move fast enough because industry moves so fast. Technically, it moves so fast. To be able to stay up to date. And then they don't prepare any of the students for the real world where you're applying for jobs that say as an entry level person, you need five years of experience. (laughs) That still floors me. It really does. It's like, how can I get that five years of experience? Was I supposed to be experiencing the work that I'm currently training on? Like what? Exactly. um yeah and they they think about everything in very philosophical terms and then there's the practical side of thing and then on the opposite end you have all of the vocational colleges which have great um great programs and they deal with the technical and they're very current and they're also churning out class after class after class after class and then Mm -hmm. they lack that community and that connection to continue seeing sort of their students grow over time and have that, uh, provide that support. Having that alumnus network is really important. I have a child that's going off to college soon. And that was something that was really important when we were talking about when we went to go visit her college a couple of weeks ago is the network of the, the alumnus network being of such profound significance. And it is something that does get lost in this industry because it's so insular and everything is opaque and very few people are willing to share their knowledge. There's so much gatekeeping that is done. A lot. Yeah. yeah. A lot, a lot. And also I find that when we talk about like sort of digital poverty as well as uh, the sort of network success and oh, things like that. So important. If those, those gates aren't removed and those, you know, sorry, I'm not being eloquent right now, but if those gates aren't removed, um, then how are people supposed to know that they're supposed to maximize on them? And we exactly. talk about like the alumnus networks. Well, everyone that I know that went to a private school are really, really sure-footed when it comes to networking, making the most of, uh, you know, their peers, their peers' parents, everything sure. like that. For those yeah. of us who went to, you know, sort of state schools or government schools here in the UK, that's what we call them, um, you know, from mm-hmm. the inner city and things like that, that isn't emphasized as much. You know, it's, it's on the 
how you know the, the this grades that you're getting and that's kind of success but do you even have access to the tools to be able to get that kind of education so it's the access the access every single day the access you're on the back foot from so, day one right exactly so how how is code coven kind of moving like helping helping your students to move beyond that and to create that alumnus network of former students that are thriving that need more team members and you know how how are you helping to solve that problem yeah well our wonderful biz dev uh, head of biz dev carla reyes kills it the pay it forward program (laughs) which is great you know um and it's one of the reasons why in all of our applications especially for like scholarship seats or um well actually for the whole community we talk about well what, what volunteering do you want to do and any volunteering is really it's something that you want to do that helps the community so mm-hmm. we have some great workshops that are actually being hosted by some of our alumni and we keep it still within our discord and with our slack so that it's that safe space and they're getting the public speaking opportunity you know and the experience and um getting that practical experience to become more well versed of course that, yeah you know? um and then we're also uh what else? My Leo, you're going to have to jump in here because I totally got baby brain. And now my whole train of thought just went. Don't worry about it. I remember. <laughs> I remember it's horrendous. Yeah. Yeah, really, like our communities is, is really everything. Like every student is just like means a brighter future for us. Like the more students that enroll in our programs mean the more students that are going to go out there, uh, treat others with kindness. You know, maybe they'll mentor someone. Maybe they'll recommend them to our program. Maybe they'll be on a team with them. Um, we host game jams. Um, we've hosted a care jam, which was a game jam that was focused on caretaking. Um, and we also had our safe spaces game jam, um, which we partnered with UN women. Um, we had amazing partners for both of those game jams. Um, and our community was able to come together and teamed up with one another and made amazing games. Um, and those kinds of things just like allows collaboration and community and all that mm. little good stuff. Um, I love that. That helps the network um, and maybe potentially find a position within the industry if they're not already there. Right. Um, and we see that we see that pretty often um, with our community members recommending each other like to jobs um, and then actually and- landing them. So. The process, the process works. works. Networking is important, but the most important thing, even in establishing that, is making sure that you know there there are those structures in place so that students are not left behind, so that former students help current students and future students. And I really love that. That's so holistic. It's such a holistic perspective on education that honestly, more institutions need. Actual, like, like for real, real colleges and universities and trades and tax schools. I, I am my dream. My dream is that this becomes more of a thing, especially within games where everything is game. Yeah, and can I actually just add one more point to that? Of course, please do. Yeah, because I mean that's one thing from the student's point of view. But one thing we should mention is that all of our mentors, and we have a really great network of industry mentors. Um, Mm -hmm. they aren't put on a pedestal. I love them to bits. I love all the experience that they have and I love that they give up their time and their resources and knowledge, but they aren't put on a pedestal. They sign. So in order to create the safe space, we do require Mm -hmm. that people sign an MNDA and 
agree to our code of conduct. Makes sense. That way they can share that knowledge safely, you know, that they have. Mm -hmm. Um, But also they all have to adhere to the same rules in terms of the code of conduct because you're all equal and there shouldn't be any power dynamics. You're sharing knowledge, you know? Yeah, you are not there to lord your knowledge. You are there to crack open. Exactly, exactly. I really like that. And honestly, that, that actually answers a couple of questions that I had. So we can, so based on that, you know, we talked about what your internal partnerships look like with your instructors and what that looks like for your code of conduct for your students and your instructors. But what goes into building programs like this isn't just talent. It's also treasure. It's money that goes into this. So let's talk about some of your um, industry partnerships. So Facebook gaming is one of them. Unity is another. Um, how did a lot of these kind of coalesce and come together? Like why these partners and, you know, what, what's kind of the motivating factor there? Mylia, do you want me to take this? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You should take this one. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, um, it's, it's sort of been a natural progression. Um, you know, when we first started that original summer program, um, uh, and you know, I want to give also a big shout out to again, Carla Ray as our head of biz dev, um, who's actually alumni from our very first bootcamp program. I love that <laughs> so much. That's amazing. Uh, which is a common theme for actually most of the card coven team. I can see that. Most of the staff, most of the staff was involved in, with Code Coven in some way. Like one of our most uh, recent producers, uh, she actually uh, was in our intro to game making course and she was in our game jam. Um, and uh, our new teaching assistant, uh, Harry, he was actually um, in Elevate, uh, which was one of our previous accelerators. So, you know, we're just, we're all coming together with our That's skills. True. Of being I me. love I that. <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> amazing. <laughs> uh, but no, there's so many people that I would love to hire from our um, from our our cohorts. Just, ugh, just give me the money, please. Um, <laughs> but on the money topic, yes, um, yes, on the topic of money, how like yeah. how does this all kind of come together? Like, what I think an even better question isn't how it's come together in the past, but what you're looking for in the future. Mm-hmm. So if you could if you could go out into the world and be like, okay, so this is what we need in order to continue to develop new programs, have these accelerators, continue to have our people and have great staff and hire new people. What do you need? We need money. Thank you. (laughs) Cool. Um, No, no, that's brilliant though, because what I, what I, my dream is, is that we get code coven to a place where it's financially stable to the point that, and I'm not ashamed to say that, but the benefits of, uh, you know, working with great partners like Unity and also like uh, Epic and Unreal, because this is the first time we've mm-hmm. offered the IGMs with Unreal um, this year. But with that funding, we're able to have uh, all of the placement is absolutely free. You know, there are no paid seats for the intro to game making courses. And we want to be able to keep on doing that. Now, our classes are limited to like 13 to 15 people. So they're super small. Mm-hmm. And everybody's getting a really bespoke um, and intimate education, right? Because we want to see every, we want to know every single person and we want to continue seeing them thrive. But in order to keep that up, of course, we're going to need to have the continuous support of big partners like that. 
to continue yeah. this kind of education. And this kind of education is what's needed to reach an equitable state in the games industry, in tech as a whole. It's true. Tech as a whole is is really there have been so many growing pains. And at this point in this year of 2022, there are no more excuses. There are no more trees to hide behind. It is, it is simply time. And, and it's, it's time to pay more attention to what is necessary. Exactly. There are no more excuses now. Not a and you know what? The, the way the world's changed as nope. well, like seriously, the world is your oyster higher globally you know, higher, have equal pay, all of those, sorry, now yep. going down that bandwagon, that route again. No, 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 no. That's good. We're still, we're talking about equity, right? Yeah. Equity in education, you know, it's not, ju- it doesn't just stay in education. Once you, once you have those roots and you're able with your, with the soft skills that you are teaching, especially with negotiation, people have a tendency to, not pay enough attention to the importance of being a good negotiator, especially on salaries and on benefits. It's so important that seat at the table is something that should be expected as a worker. You should be able and allowed to and encouraged to expect your seat at the table. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, to bring it back to like the sponsorships and the the additional funding, I mean, you know, my dream is to make, code coven just stand on its own feet and be able to just do this on on its own um and right now we do have the partnerships with unity with unreal which i continue to hope we foster as well as facebook gaming um but in light in, in in the other programs that we run opportunities to sponsor means that you get to be able to see what everybody's creating firsthand and be a part of that story i mean for a company mm-hmm. to go, That's beautiful. I'm a part of this person's story. I knew them. I saw that when we had that. You're lucky, I think, to be able to have that opportunity. I'm sorry. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. It's such an important piece to be like, you know what? I got to help that person and I got to encourage them and help them move forward and look at all of the beautiful success that they're having out in the world. And they are changing the industry one game at a time, one studio at a time, one person at a time. Exactly. Yeah. That's so empowering. It really is. And it's so inspiring. Um, this is actually where we get to talk about the future a little bit. Should should we dig in? We should dig into the future. I love future yeah. stuff. So we get to dream and talk about the future. And um, Mylia, I want to start with you on this one because even though you've been in and around games for a long time, now that you're working in them, in the next five, you know, like five to ten years, where do you where do you hope to see the game industry um, in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion in studios, whether those are indie studios or AAA studios, starting in education? Yeah, I just want to see more people uh, educated, more people who are empowered with this knowledge to go forth and really uh, having more like mid and senior level developers who are people of color, people who are marginalized, because that's that's where the trickle down mm-hmm. is going to happen because um, we need those, those developers in the studios making the decisions. We need those decision makers uh, who are marginalized. So when you have those, those 
choices that are made by certain studios that might have been different if someone who was a person of color or someone who was marginalized might have had a say, th that might not have happened. Um, and we also need to just to see more represent representation um, in the actual content Certainly. of the games, um, having um, more uh, women as protagonists in stories, more people of color as protagonists in stories, because kids also just need to see like uh, video game characters that look like them. Exactly. Because having a affirming um, characters in your life as a kid is pretty huge. Um, so for me, just really seeing a change like all the way through from the developers to the content um, and really just getting that all together, um, I think is, is pretty big for me to see in the next five years. Um, Honestly, I think even building on that a little bit as a, you know, as a parent to two, to especially two very small white children, it's also important that children who are white see people that don't look like them. That, yeah, because they might live in areas where they don't see people of color. They might live or in, even, you know, trans, exactly. non-binary people. So important. Representation is so important for, you know, for, for children that just are, they live in like, white suburban neighborhoods and it's no fault of their own. They yeah. don't get to choose where they live and being able to demonstrate like, no, no, we're creating empathetic connections here. This is important. We don't do colorblindness in this house. We celebrate stories. We celebrate diversity and the yes. things that make us different and the things that also unite us. I think that that is like, it's so powerful. And I love that more representation all the way through the pipeline. Beauty. Yes. Absolutely. Beauty. I love that. And Tara, for you, what is your grand dream for the industry? Like, what do you want the industry to look like in five years? I want it to look like us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, no, I think, I mean, just leading on from Miley's point um, and, you know, what you were speaking to, um, we need that diversity as a whole. And it needs to be authentic because the stories that we want to tell have to be authentic and not tokenized, yes. you know? And I'm so fed up with that. And I want to see, uh, you know, instead of say hearing stories where funding for anybody in tech, only 2% of that goes to women. Let's, let's, let's put that up a, a little bit, just a, just a little bit, please. You know? I'd be very pleased with 10%, 15 Honestly, I'd be happier with 50. Right? 50 would be great. I'm thinking 50 <laughs> is something honestly. we can shoot for. It might not be within five years, but it's good yeah. to dream. I, I'd love to see the access. Like, I think there are some really awesome things that there's other initiatives that are out there. The collaboration between these initiatives, uh, global representation. I want to see more. Uh, I mean, games are freaking amazing, right? I love games. Right? <laughs> Games are the best. Such amazing storytelling. Like, you get to be games right rule. That's why we're here. <laughs> yeah. What a life. <laughs> no I'm kidding. Sorry. I shouldn't right? wear that much shade. Um, it's but, okay. Yeah. Oh, the shade. <laughs> we kind of shady on virtual economy. We just recorded a news episode. Trust. It got a little shady. Um, but yeah, like I would love to see. There are so many cultures, for example, that are oral have oral traditions. Yes. Imagine translating that into games. 
and yeah. the education. It's of- huge. Yeah. Like Mulaka actually was such a cool game, you know, coming from, um, I think it was a, it was a studio down in Mexico and it was about, you know, their indigenous heritage Yeah, and those kinds of stories like um, never alone is another great one talking about indigenous yeah. stories, like through those, you know, oral traditions. I think that's huge. I'd like to see more of that, but I'd love to see more of that, especially coming out of Mina. Mm-hmm. I want more 100%. Mina stories. Yes, more Mina. definitely. There's such a great opportunity and a wasted opportunity that's going on right now because you're seeing cookie cutter sort of replicas of what's, I mean, yeah, that's a whole nother thing. Like I love Greek and Roman mythology as much as the next person, but I would so love to see like Mexican Me- Mexican mythology, like Filipino yeah. mythology. There's so many like mythos in the world. Like if we can provide more access to these places in the world so they can tell their own stories, not just, you know, white people picking the stories up and turning them into their own things, having these people tell their own stories, giving them the education so that they can Absolutely. do it themselves. Um, so it can be authentic, as Tara is saying. Like, I think that's going to make I think that's going to make games all the more. Richer. I absolutely agree, and a lot of that does start with a combination of education and funding. Education and funding are both so integral to have these stories being told by the right people and from development teams that have that firsthand knowledge. So I, I think these are all beautiful dreams, and I love them so very much. So let's talk about like we only I only have a couple more questions for you. But one of the big questions that I have is, you know, what can educational institutions, so colleges, universities, trades and tech schools, what can they do to better foster, nurture, create the future of this industry and and, and specifically from marginalized communities? Here I go. Whoever wants Let's to go, go first. Let's do it. Take it, Tara. Take it. it. Oh, take I it. I don't know. I'd maybe bring down their prices. <laughs> I can't just stop with the shade. No, no. It's good, though. I think I, these are the things that we that we need yeah. to be talking about and need to be cognizant of. If, if price continues to be the limiting factor for folks in marginalized communities to be able to access that education, we should be calling them on it. We should be holding them accountable. It's important. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think, I mean, A, it's got to be the price points. It's got to be access. It's got to be having people involved in talking about the programs who are representative of the communities um, and going to where the people are. And I mean, mm. we make games, right? So it's like if you have yeah. a problem in a game or level you're testing or whatever, you don't you 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 backtrack and you try and figure out where that problem came from. So sure, reverse yeah, engineer exactly. it. So why can't we do that? And why aren't we doing that? You know, that's the real question. It's not why can't we do that. Is why aren't we doing me? Why aren't we? Am I the design thinking to solve this problem? So why, yeah, why aren't we solving it? Why aren't um, we solving it? But I think those are, you know, the things that, yeah. And, and you know what? And the other thing I will add is for the people who are teaching these courses in these educational institutions, being aware enough to 
make sure everybody is heard and represented mm -hmm. and having those visual cues and that mm -hmm. um, ability to make it a less threatening place. Oh, huge. Creating safe spaces. And as much as we hear other folks out there bulking at that and being, you know, just downright cruel about it, safe spaces do matter so that mistakes can be made so that voices can be heard in, in safe ways. And that, you know, maybe conversations that are not, you know, is, is not something that you would necessarily have outside of a friend group that you can have that professionally because it is important. It's all, it all, it all comes down to accountability, right? Yeah. And it's often said, oh, well, you know, these safe spaces aren't like the real world. Well, maybe we should work to make the real world a little more kinder. That's the one. That's honestly the one right there. Every time I hear that argument, I'm like, why isn't it though? Why isn't it reflective of the world that we live in? Isn't that a bad thing? Isn't that something we should work on to fix? Again, we have the design thinking to solve these problems. Why are we not doing it? <laughs> so... Uh, Mylia, for you, when you think about education and, you know, those kind of barriers to entry for creating a more diverse workforce in games, what do you want educational institutions to do more of or less of? Um, I think for me, it really starts with the educators. Um, for me, I felt like there weren't enough educators that understood mm -hmm. my background, so they weren't able to teach me as well. Um, and also uh, that accessibility to education, um, student loans for days is all I will say. Um, so I think that bringing down the price um, and making it so that marginalized people aren't swimming in debt for years and years at a time. And don't have to um, be afraid. And they can, you know, choose jobs that are right for them because they're not worried about paying down student loans and they don't find themselves in toxic, horrible situations where they're stuck. Yes. Big mood. And and yeah, absolutely. And not and not only boxing uh people in marginalized groups into certain jobs Huge. or certain roles. Um, yeah, I was, uh, studying broadcast, but somehow I had a professor who was like, oh, have you considered going into diversity and inclusion? Like you, you seem to speak up in class a lot. And I'm like, that's because this is my life. Like, I don't have a choice not to speak up about diversity and inclusion because I am, I'm a black queer woman. Like I'm so tired my for you. mom isn't I'm immigrant. So tired for you. Um, <laughs> I literally cannot not talk about this. I cannot be impartial to these issues because it is literally my life. I am living exactly, it every but that day. doesn't necessarily so, mean that DEI is going to be your focus. It's my it only... That that's exactly. part of the way that you communicate, understand the world, and quite frankly, live in the world. Yes, like it, that was my assigned beat um, at one point uh, for my <laughs> for a publication. I was like, well, um, I'm actually kind of interested in games and tech. Like, oh, but you're like so passionate about this. I'm like, huh, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, educators need to take a step back and start asking themselves the difficult questions too. It's, it's important. I mean, like we talk about this in terms of journalism as well. I mean, like that's your background. That's my background. And I... I very rarely, if I had, if I was working with women, when I was working with women, or if I was working with folks that were marginalized genders or people of color, I'm like, you know, what's not your beat if you don't want it to be all that nonsense. 
I will, I will write those stories. DEI was, was my beat back in the day because I chose that for myself. I wasn't assigned Mm -hmm. to it. I assigned it to myself because, you know, all those years ago when I started in this, it was something that was really important to me, continues to be very important to me. My God, how presumptuous would it have been for me to be like, oh yeah, you know, you're a trans woman. You need to only write about, you know, stuff to do with trans women in games. It's just like, what? Are you joking me? That's, that's like, that's not a thing. It's not a thing. Not to say that, you know, like cisgendered people should be writing trans people's stories because they shouldn't. But at the same time, being pigeonholed in education, as you said, is really limiting and it's deeply frustrating. And that goes to studios too, not only assigning um, people in marginalized groups to write or talk about characters who are those groups, you know, letting them do anything, everything they want. Shockingly, that should be the norm. (laughs) Shockingly, that should be the norm. So I have one more question for both of you. You know, as as we move forward and as Code Coven continues to change the world and, you know, find pearls and oysters and all these beautiful things, for both of you, and Tara, we'll start with you, what is your one piece of advice for marginalized developers looking to break in to the game industry? Come to Code Coven. <laughs> we will take care of you. Okay, well, that's an unspoken <laughs> thing. Go to Code Coven, but then after Code oh. Coven, now what? <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> My one piece of advice is remember that you are a scarce and valuable resource and you should be treated as Mm. such. I love that. You are a scarce and valuable resource and embrace it. That's beautiful. I'm a, I like, I actually like kind of have tears in my eyes right now. (laughs) Don't mind me if I like just randomly start crying. Stuff really means a lot to me. Oh man. I love that. That's so beautiful. Thank you. I'm just not going to speak now because that sounded like a nice thing. <laughs> so beautiful. That was a, sound that was that was a good soundbite. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes when I hear Tara speak, I'm like, yes, that's the soundbite right there. And then I continue speaking. <laughs> Nuggets of wisdom. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. No, <laughs> no, never, not never. at all. And, Mylia, for you, when when you, if you talk, when you talk, to marginalized developers trying to break in in any capacity into the into the game industry, what piece of advice would you give them? My biggest advice uh, would really be just to take the leap, but be prepared to fall over and over again, and that's okay. But the biggest part of that is finding a community who can really support and uplift you and empower you um, to keep moving forward. Um, even if you have the skills to be a game developer, you need to know how to get those skills in front of people. You need to get those soft skills. You need to know how to network. So don't think that, you know, getting, learning how to code is going to land your job. You need to know how to meet people and talk with people and understand people. And that's how you get your feet wet. That's That's how how you jump jump in. in. What a great, what a great way to end this conversation. This has been genuinely, this has been such a treat. I hope you both will come back and talk with me in the future, you know, when Code Coven continues to take over the world and change the world into a more beautiful place, one class at a time. So thank you both so much for today. I really, really appreciate it. 
Thank you for listening to the Virtual Economy Podcast. You can find our guest, Mylia, at Metallia. Yes, that kind of Metallia. That's M-E-T-T-A-L-E-A-H on Twitter. And you can find Tara online at Tara ZM. Thank you again for joining me, and we'll see you again soon.